When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. It's time for this week's episode of One Last Thing with my co-host, Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Uh, you know, we're, 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 you know, rolling. Uh, we just had a fantastic, uh, really comprehensive win uh, against the uh, against a good Texans team last week. And I'm, I'm just thrilled about it. Can't wait for the AFC championship game. Uh, I've I've. Looked at a little Texan stuff in particular. My old partner from Syracuse, uh, Charlie Palillo, uh, is, is a big guy in Houston radio. Very, very positive about what's happening with the Texans. And I think there's every reason for them to come out of this game looking happy. Also, very, very realistic about about the Ravens say being the best team in football. And this was a this is a team that got a little bit schooled in terms of the Texans by a, by just a very good football team. So we're going to talk about a couple of things today, but I thought we'd start with, with um, there's been a lot of narratives that have been circulating about Lamar, um, uh, circulating about the Ravens in general, uh, a, a lot of things about the Ravens not coaching things properly which really seem ridiculous at this point but i thought we'd just have a little fun and talk about those for about five minutes here uh just to lighten up the air a little bit and get the episodes but this is a bad time to be a lamar hater in, in, in this world it, it it absolutely is i mean you know uh uh you know apparently some people um after the texans game have discovered that lamar jackson can in fact play the game of football uh some people some people still haven't quite um gotten there yet uh which is pretty remarkable to me um you know and they'll point to they'll sort of cherry pick like uh you know aggregate stats like total passing yards or something like that mm-hmm. as something to support um their conclusions but you know quite quite frankly i i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that lamar jackson is the greatest force multiplier that the game of pro football has ever seen. Now, if you want to say he, he's not a top whatever passer of the ball, whatever you know, you think that must mean, you know, because he's not putting up forty five hundred yards a game, and yeah. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is probably the unquestioned best passer of the football in the game, and I don't think that's controversial. The fact of the matter is, uh, Lamar Jackson affects every facet everything that happens on the football field and uh this past weekend was a really great example of that yep it's uh it's very much the the people who have espoused some of those theories about lamar jackson do not seem very analysty right now uh in terms of what they've done so the lamar can't win in the cold narrative now i had my own concerns about lamar because he's really never played in the cold the only game he played under freezing was the game at kansas city where they lost in overtime in his rookie year. 
Uh, but I thought that was one of the real nice things to come out of this game in terms of a broken narrative that might have really held some water. But uh, Lamar had, had a difficult first half. And honestly, if you look at him as a passer, he didn't really live up to his opportunity set in the way he might have. But he sure as hell made up for it as a runner. I think he made up for it as a leader on the field. I thought one of the things that I just absolutely loved was him not taking Ronnie Stanley's hand on the field and getting pissed off at him directly. Uh, you know, Stanley did not engage in his block quickly enough. Lamar ended up getting taken down before it, before it meant anything, and he was pissed about it. Yeah, no, Lamar uh, was very um, he was very animated throughout the game. Um, I can't say necessarily. I mean, I think there were some times where um, I would probably, you know, I, I hope he reflects on some of those things. And, you know, after the heat of the moment and sort of goes to his guys and, you know, and they kind of share an understanding of like what's going on because Lamar has a tremendous amount of pressure riding on him. Um, and uh, and we're all human and, and all of that. But, you know, I hope that this is something that – uh you know, he continues, he continues to grow. Uh, he, you know, I, I, you can't win. Uh, I think when it comes to how much you emote on the field, if you're a particular player, because if you are sort of a uh, more stoic, like Joe Flacco, they're going to say that you don't care. Yep. Um, if you're getting in everybody's face all the time, they're going to call you a bad teammate or whatever. Um, I think, I, I think Lamar has a good understanding. Him and Ronnie are close. He has a good understanding of like what, you know, what people are going to respond to. Um, but I do think that's an opportunity to grow, but, but he was definitely very fiery competitive player in the game. How about another, another thing you is that it's no longer an, an issue for you. Oh my God. Rest versus rust. Um, I mean, that one, that one is just, I mean, it blew my mind the entire time. I mean, this is, this is such a, like a Baltimore specific one, just because we've mm-hmm. had a couple of, um, first round by tremendous is what two two of the three worst losses that the Ravens have ever uh, faced 2006 2019 mm-hmm. um, you know we're, we're home games after a bye I'm not You're sure the that, Lee Evans game is number three uh, to me to me Lee Evans uh, that's that's number one personally to me because of the dramatic nature in which it had like everything fell apart all at mm-hmm. once I just think that a lot of people still point to 2006 and 2019 while disappointing. We never really got to exercise those demons in the way, like to me, the Super Bowl season from 2012 began with Billy Cundiff missing that field goal. Like that's, (laughs) that's how that season started. Um, I don't buy that. Had we won in 2011, we would have won in 2012. Like all that stuff is nonsense to me. Um, um, it, it just seemed like such a, like an immediate, like, uh, like, I, I, I just remember if you remember, um, Suggs, his face and him just yes. mouthing, Oh my God, you know, like it, it was such a deflating, horrible moment. Um, but in, in any event, you know, two home playoff games lost, you know, and, 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 and of course the Ravens, both their Super Bowl runs, they played the majority of the games on the road. Um, and, and, you know, feeds into this, like bullies of Baltimore will go in anywhere. We'll punch them out. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, uh, you know, people act like it's unknowable that having a week off is a good thing to rest after a season of football. You know, yeah. P- people, people act like it's unknowable that having an automatic win in the first round of the playoffs 
is a good thing with, with no possibility of injury in that game. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it does seem absurd right now. And, and I don't want people to forget 2006 or 2019 as part of being a Ravens fan and understanding the history of the team, knowing how we felt after those losses, after a buy, I mean, it was terrible. Those were two of the most deflating days in team history. You know, I'm really bothered by the 2011 loss, but I think it's number three for me. Um, the, the the two others were terrible because those were teams. The, the 2016 was absolutely favored to win the Super Bowl at the moment they lost that game. They'd already um, uh, they got in the home. They were they get the home game later that day. They find out anyway. They also found out. Um, it, it, you know, it, they found it at other times, like in 2010 with the loss at Pittsburgh from a two touchdown lead. Um, they found out that they would have played the, played the AFC Championship at home later. You know, yeah. uh, there, there, there have been some terrible losses. All those things are going to stick with the Ravens. They're going to be a significant part of team lore. Um, but they, I think the Ravens finally get a break from that right now. We don't have to talk about that till the next time it's about to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the, the the way I feel about it. I, I'm, uh, I'm very happy that one is is um, is in the back seat. Let me toss out another one there because I think the coordinators had kind of two of them. We're circulating around them. The first is distraction of the coordinators. The notion that these guys are all getting phone calls and, you know, wait, wait, hold on. I, I can't practice right now. I've got an interview. <laughs> it's like all of that was was not going to be juggleable by a couple of guys who obviously had some of their best games this week. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I think I, I I still think it's a horrible horrible system because I just think it's a, it does terrible things to a person where they have to burn the candle at both ends. It's it's really not fair. It's punishing teams who are doing well, um, you know, because they're the ones that you know people naturally want to poach their coordinators. Um, but you know it. It's not about you know certainly not about like this idea that um, I, I think anybody who is. Anybody who's thinking, you know, like these guys aren't doing everything that they're supposed to be doing in a given day because they're prepping for these interviews, uh, I think that's wild. Like that's that's such a ridiculous, you know, thing to think. But what I think what it does do is force the person to just divert some of their some of their energy and some of their like just capacity to like, you know, rest is important, sleep is important, thinking about your family is important, you know, and and. And I, I wish the NFL would um, would would reconsider how they do that. All that said, you know, like you said, these these two coaches delivered arguably I, for, for my money. I think I think this was the best defensive performance of the entire season. I I, I don't care about like sacks and 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 turnovers. All that's like really nice, but when you don't even get to the red zone, when you're a red hot team that just took the Browns. Uh, to you know, to to the woodshed and and did what they did to them, uh, and you don't even get to the red zone. I think that's remarkable. Um, I think when we get to sort of talking about you know what lessons we learned a little bit, I I, I do take, I do have some thoughts on on um, uh, the offensive performance uh, in the first half and maybe some adjustments that could have been made earlier. But there's no denying that everything Munkin Munkin pushed all of the right buttons coming out at halftime. I mean, 24 unanswered points. You can't argue with that. Yeah. It's, it's just, 
that avalanche, that 24 to nothing avalanche really ends any question about adjustments. I actually got a, got a, I don't, I don't remember if it was a tweet or a DM, but it was one of the two. I, I believe it may be out there in general Twitter uh, that said, basically, it, it, it had added me, which is, is something, you know, if you want somebody's opinion about it, you, you, you do obviously in Twitter. And, and it said something like, um, this is the end of the 2023 Ravens. They're not able to make adjustment. Harbaugh is through. But, and, you know, I was actually a little bit down at halftime, too. And I think I actually saw it later that day when I got home, the, t- the, the tweet. But I was a little bit down at halftime. I, I, I admit I might have had some of those feelings myself. But, boy, what an overreaction as it turned out in terms of the second half. My, my, my nephew, uh, you know, I was watching with him and a couple other family members. And, and a good point he made was, like, we were all feeling down naturally, you know, it's like not the way you want to start the game, you know, with, particularly with that kickoff return is, you know, he said, he said, look, we, we probably played about as poorly on offense in terms of just in terms of like, you know, total output um, in the first half, not as we could have, right. Cause we could have turnovers, but pretty, you know, pretty poor offensive showing in the first half and it's still tied 10 to 10 like that was probably as were as badly as we were reasonably going to do and it's still tied 10 to 10 and i thought that was good perspective because it's like if you just you know if a couple things just come together in the second half you're going to run away with this thing well the, the texans fans on the other side of that say as bad as we've played in this first half offensively we haven't got inside the 25 yard line we haven't done anything they've had the ball for most of the first half even though although you know they've been dominating the the, the um, uh, and we're still tied 10-10 is their perspective on it. Sure. And I think that was more how I looked at it at the time was that, you know, this is this is not a good place. This game's not supposed to be close. Um, you know, it, it would be nice if this uh, if this went away. But the adjustments, absolutely fantastic. And I think we can we can we can toss those narratives once and for all. Um, these guys probably each improved their chance slightly to become head coaches. The chances have been going steadily down since the head coaches coaches openings uh first became known in full and obviously a lot of those jobs are now gone and i think there's now i think there's now probably more than a 60 percent chance they retain both coordinators at this point i don't think weaver is going anywhere and i'm not aware of anybody at a lower level who's who's uh, really being considered yeah I, I think i think there's a i think there's a pretty good chance i mean just the numbers are not working against him you got to think that the um, Slowick and uh, what is it, Johnson over from the Lions? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've just been consistently named as hot coordinator options. And assuming, you know, Belichick, Frable, and um, and Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, um, take up um, some slots, you know, the numbers are just not favoring, um, you know, to otherwise excellent coordinators as well as Anthony Weaver. Right. Yeah, I think, and and a pick, Callahan is apparently going to be signed. the the um, the uh, Bengals guy is apparently going to be signed for the Titans job. That's, That's what I'm hearing the last 24 hours. So yeah. All right, terrific. Let's move on to the to, to I think what is the meat and potatoes of this show, which is things we learned from the win against the Texans. Uh, maybe some things that are portable into the Chiefs game, uh, but even if we just learned them here, let's let's have a go. And I'll just we're going this ad hoc. Take a take a item you'd like to talk about uh, from that game that you think is a, is a revelation of sorts. Yeah, I think, I think it's just a uh, continued um, proof that um, that McDonald's sort of don't panic approach um, is, is really 
um, the right way to go for for his system. You know, even even when um, not that there was anything necessarily to panic about, but you know, McDonald wasn't worried about the fact that he wasn't getting sacks. He wasn't worried about the fact that there weren't turnovers or that um, C.J. Stroud picked up some very impressive third and longs, like under some difficult conditions. Uh, I I think that C.J. Stroud and the Texans offense, I think they were specifically really coaching to say, like avoid turnovers at all costs, even I think maybe to the detriment of, you know, some offensive output, right. You know, just, just being so like risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but it's understandable, particularly with a rookie to, to kind of t- take that tack. And, um, you know, McDonald was very patient. He, 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 he could see that pressure was getting to um, uh, pressure was getting to CJ Stroud. And he, even though they didn't make it home, he didn't feel the need to, sort of stray from what was working and understood that over the course of the game, the balance of everything that, that it was going to favor the Ravens to kind of remain steady in that particular manner. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on that for just a minute and just say um, it's amazing. The pressure was as effective as it was. And they had a 42% pressure rate in this game, the ball out quick ATS pressure uh, spectrum, which is right on line with their season totals. They didn't have a sack, but they did have that intentional grounding that is effectively a 10 yard sack, you know, just should count the same as far as I'm concerned. And then, and then the other thing is just that the pressure was very effective. They forced uh, Stroud to leave the pocket. Somebody's asking me how many times did he throw the ball away under pressure? And I mean, there's eight easy ones that I found that I put up in a tweet. And there's there's three others that you could claim those were cases where he really threw the ball away. One you know, one time it was close enough to the receiver. One time it was over the receiver's yeah. head. But you know, this it, it, pressure had a big impact on Stroud. It wasn't like they got no sacks. Oh my, that's a very surface level. Um, statistic if you're if you're really uh, looking at impact it's just incredibly rare that you have a really good pressure game like this and you don't get any sacks that's just very rare and and even more rare that you don't get any sacks and any turnovers you have the Ravens history there's not a whole lot of games like that and there's there's probably none where the Ravens played as well defensively on the game I think in fact I'd be very surprised if if we could find one looking together but I, I did happen to look at 2000 and 2023 there's no such game in either year that has zero sacks or zero turnovers. So there's no, there's no denominator to work from. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's very unusual. Um, I do think again, that it goes to sort of how, um, how uh, Stroud was coached. I mean, they just said, throw it away. Don't put us in bad situations. We don't want, you know, we don't want these 12 and or second and long, you know, third and super long, um, you know, situations and, and, you know, largely they stayed out of them, but, um, but, you know, it wasn't, uh, just wasn't enough, you know, it was just too, too disciplined, too effective. Uh, you know, it's like just a, you know, death by, you know, death by a million paper cuts, you know, from the defensive side, we're just gonna, you know, chip away and you're, you're not gonna, (laughs) you're not gonna get past us. All right, I'll go on with a second thing, and that's, I think, that Hamilton's return was enormous for this defense. Even though he didn't put up chart-topping numbers in this particular game, he made some nice downhill plays, uh, did a very good job taking away the strong side of the field as he does horizontally and has effectively. Uh, Aaron Schatz posted something today on Twitter saying that the Ravens would be better off staying in base defense against the um, 
the Chiefs 12 personnel because teams have done better um, with base than they have against nickel. I, I guess, and that might be that might very well be true. I, I don't doubt for a minute that Aaron is reporting the 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 information correctly. It's just the Ravens have a different guy playing slot cornerback than anybody else, and so when they can effectively put a uh, a massive linebacker out there like Hamilton, who gives you all kinds of value coverage, pass rush, and you know block shedding in terms of horizontal play, um, I think that's even better. Than, than the typical nickel guy who's often in there against Kelsey and and Kelsey, you know, he's a he's a bad matchup for almost anybody in the National Football League. I think we're going to find he's not a bad matchup at all. Um, for I, I think let me put it differently. I think Hamilton will do better against him than just about anybody else he's faced. Yeah, I agree, and that's even after seeing what to me looked like Kelsey's best game um, of the year last week. Yeah. Kelsey Kelsey looked to be moving about as well as he had frustrating to see him put it together. But then on the other hand, the Kansas city is looking at Ronnie Stanley getting it together at the same time. I, I, I will toss out there that um, Hamilton on the season now, 4.03 yards per target. He was over two. They were over two throwing at him in this game. Um, that's just an outstanding number. And when you consider the fact that, that, you know, he's a lot of the time, he's a slot corner there. He's facing guys who have elusive, Yards after the catch ability, a fair amount of those throws when he's on the safety and he's on the he's on the back end, he gives up a throw. It's going to be a pretty long one in general. Um, it's 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 just a remarkable um, number for a player like Hamilton to have. So uh, uh, out, outstanding. Yeah, um, no 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 question there. And, and and you know I think that that would be a good uh, you know just to piggyback of what, on what you said. I mean what a, what a time to. Uh, have Ronnie Stanley turn in his absolute best game of the season. And he just, he just looked, he looked like the Ronnie Stanley of old, you know? Um, I, I think I saw you tweet something like, I don't want to put too much stock in a single game. And, you know, I, I, I agree, but, you know, this is again, another knock on rest versus rust, right? Like Ronnie Stanley needed that time and he looked so much better. I mean, he looked literally better than he has since, you know, last year when he had turned it around, um, just anchoring and, you know, not, not really giving up any ground. Flexible, more mobile. And, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing with, with Ronnie is he's always been a great mirror when that was his trademark ability was to have this fantastic ability to mirror the moves of your opponent. And in the past, he's always kind of given, giving up a little bit of ground for great mirror has been something that's worked very well with Lamar and Lamar takes bump pressure from that side or even feels pressure well as it's coming in. But he can always trust Ronnie to keep the guy's hands off him. Because he's not getting beat to the edge, he's not you know generating a ton of holding penalties on that side. Um, that ha- really hadn't been the case so far this year. Be giving way more ground per mirror value obtained. Let's put it that way per amount of mirroring uh, accomplished. Uh, and and that had been a, a bad trade off. This is what really shows up in this game is he's he's getting good blocks mirrored well. Um, far away from Ronnie on the outside, which is absolutely, uh, sorry, far away from, from Lamar on the outside, which is really fantastic. And, and uh, just a, a big difference uh, looks flexible, looks able to, to get into level two and move around. I mean, what we had seen from Stanley in terms of lining up a guy in space, um, we had not seen often. And you'll often hear me talk about 
about offensive linemen who get lungy in level two. Well, this is what I mean by that. They're not patient in terms of lining up their prey. Um, I think Ronnie was a little overpatient on that play in the first half, and Lamar kind of kind of got pissed off at him in the second half. The the, the two blocks he made, uh, the one on Grenard, which wasn't he didn't even have that great a block on him, but he impeded him enough with an outstretched arm that it gave Jackson all he needed to get by. And then of course the one that poor defensive back whose number we shall never know because he was just, you know, crushed under the weight of Ronnie is uh, uh, was a great one. Yeah, that was a great, great comeback for Ronnie. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, something else I want to talk about was uh, the, um, I, I think in the first half, uh, you know, uh, Munkin could have done a little bit more to uh, adjust to how much the pass rush was getting at Lamar and particularly like, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lamar got like crushed on one sack, uh-huh. like really hard. And, you know, it's, it, it's a little disappointing, particularly in recent weeks where they'd had uh, not necessarily too many like hot read guys, but more like, you know, chip, chip blockers that kind of, kind of leak out um, and, and become receiving options, you know, something like that, or, you know, having, having a guy who's hot would have done a tremendous amount to stem that pass rush. Um, you know, hard to argue 34 points, you know, obviously in the, in the aggregate, but you know, as, as Ravens players know, um, or Ravens uh, fans know, you know, the, the two times that Lamar has gotten, uh, significantly injured, uh, actually three times, if you consider the concussion, uh, yeah. in the playoff game was from the pocket, um, you know, uh, in, in a passing situation, um, and, uh, and, you know, you, number eight's health is paramount. Um, I think, you know, if the pass rush is getting home and you, you know, don't necessarily have time to make the major adjustments that you would at halftime, um, you know, just, just a couple hot reads, um, I, I think would do a lot to stem the tide of the pass rush. Yeah, could call a play where the ball is out quickly. And I, you know, part of it honestly was that they did get sacked once earlier in that in that first half, and they had another one that was like a sack plus one. So they had two sacks, and then they had two sacks on like their final two plays of the first half. It wasn't quite the final two. It was like first down, second down on their final drive where they then had a running play on third down. So you didn't you didn't have any pass that occurred in the first half after those last two sacks. But there was enough evidence in terms of what they were doing with five man pressure. The, 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 okay. 21 out of 25 times 
the Texans rushed five plus in this game. I've never seen anything like it, or at least I can't remember ever an 84% game. The closest analogy I can come up with is that miserable Thursday night in Miami where they faced a 40 uh, cover zero looks. And and they had all the you know the pass rush was was a was a nightmare all night. In this case, um, uh, the the Texans held the Ravens to one net yard in the first half on six five man rushes. In the second half, from the very first play, um, that wasn't the case, and they they had six plays for sixty three yards, ten point five yards per play. Whenever the Texans rushed five, so they really figured out how to punish the Texans in that regard in the second half. And I it just did that was, was such an amazing turnaround between H one and H two. Um, I'm uh, I, I can't think of many times where I've seen something better in terms of an adjustment. For sure. Yeah, definitely worked out in the end. Um, let, let me ask you this. Um, do you, do you have concerns about uh, special teams, which was the real disappointment of the game? That's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I haven't studied that in the same way I study offense and defense. So when people ask me special teams questions, I always have to be a little sheepish. So I've seen the the, the video. I've watched it a couple of times, but I haven't watched it to see, oh, this L4 guy is out of position or, you know, the, why did this injury occur? Um, you know, when I, I haven't watched it to, to that level of detail. Now, am I concerned that um, – the Ravens had some rush lane issues come up in a, at a big time like this. Sure. As much as anybody else. Um, am I concerned that there were, you know, a shank in the punt game or there were, there were, um, you know, so I think that sure. I, am I, I, I really happy that Justin Cocker kicked a 53 yard field goal? Sure. It w- that was a, it was a hard kick to make. I, I don't know that I have anything really profound to say about special teams in this game. They endured two Trendon holiday touchdowns in the my high miracle game a few years back. Of course. Um, I, I don't think, They've quite held up the standard of being the Ravens on special teams in the playoffs over their history. You know, they've they've given up they gave up another touchdown return, obviously in the Super Bowl. They did have one themselves also. But in terms of being a kick coverage unit in the playoffs, you know, this is at least the fourth touchdown they've given up in twenty what, twenty-nine playoff games they've had. That's not particularly good. It's it's funny, isn't it, though, uh, Ken? You know, whenever anybody wants to talk about the Mile High Miracle, all they want to talk about is Raheem Moore and not the fact that we yeah. spotted the Peyton Manning-led Broncos two special teams touchdowns. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think a kick return can happen at any given moment. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think, a little more concerned about Stout's performance. Shanked one, and then I think in another kick, he really like outkicked the coverage. Um, yeah. But uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I think there have been bad special teams games earlier in the season where that were followed up by cleaner games. Um, so I think I think they'll get it coached up. I'm just glad that it didn't uh, really come back to bite us in any significant way. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what what did you think of the secondary um, in this game? You know, by and large, I'm obviously happy with the game. The way the game worked out, the the secondary is probably as much responsible at least in terms of the success being in the proper position to take care of of what Stroud did. I thought there were there were a fair number of plays, one where Hamilton was converging on a flat route, I remember, where it just looked like Stroud really threw to avoid Hamilton um on the play. And I think there was a lot of that during the game. They grounded a ball at the feet of Mollett once. So the secondary did a really good job of being in position. Um Ronald Darby, I think he did allow one big play early for 
26, 29, 23, whatever it was. But the rest of the game, he looked pretty damn good. Um, I thought that Williams on the back end looked good um, in terms of, of being in the right place. And that's that's part of you know laying that cloud over the defense. The one guy I'm a little concerned about right now is Brandon Stevens. He's not playing his best football right now. Um, now, you know, for everything to be going as right it is, Moses and Stanley peaking at exactly the right time, the defense still, you know, having its best game of the year, arguably. Um, and for Stevens not to be playing his best football is really good. But here's my concern about Brandon Stevens, I can summarize pretty quickly. He's been targeted 18 times in the last three ball games. And one of those is against Pittsburgh in the in the in the rain where he only got one target and it was incomplete. In the uh, uh, he's otherwise had his 18 targets total over the three games, 179 yards. That's 9.9 um, yards per play. That's pretty bad. And he's also picked up three penalties in the last four games, where that's something he'd avoided the whole year. So if I had if I had one player I'm mildly concerned about right now, it's that. And and since that's also a position where injury um, and lack of availability has been an issue. I think the Ravens really need to go into this game against the Chiefs, making sure that they have a third safety active to maintain that slot um, cornerback flexibility. They cannot be put in a position where an injury on the back end, either Stone or Williams, impacts where Hamilton can play. So I don't – if there's anything if, – if if a safety is not one of the two guys they elevate or they don't otherwise make a move to, to elevate a, a, a safety to the 53 or they haven't in secret – made Ardarius Washington into a great safety that we can depend on. Um, you know, I, I I don't want to hear any excuse for the Ravens not being able to play somebody else other than Hamilton on the back end when they want Hamilton at slot corner. But Ken, how, how will we get by without Dan Chisina? Um, yeah, there you in, go. <laughs> in the game. Uh, surely, surely you wouldn't suggest uh, not, not elevating him. Um, and to great effect on special teams as, as we saw. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think I think it's all hands on deck um, for the secondary. Uh, you know, I, I made the point on Twitter earlier in the week um, that I think when you're, um, you know, worried that you don't have your number, you know, a fourth outside corner, and you only have your three options that are all pretty good, yeah. um, you're you're in a you're you're in a good spot. But we sure could use Marlon Humphrey. Um, back there, um, uh, and not just on the outside, but also, you know, when he, he, he brings a lot uh, in the slot corner position as well. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, if you're, you're, you're not losing as much, um, when you're putting Hamilton, uh, you know, back, uh, further back when you've got, uh, you know, Marlon in the slot and Mallette, of course, is just coming off a great game, but your point is well taken. I mean, I would, I would, load up on secondary depth as much as as much as possible I, I i can't i can't imagine that um anybody else on the practice squad is going to give you um as much important positional flexibility as a, a db and in particular a safety would yeah like adams uh, and so they they have the guy he's a long-term nfl safety it's not a, like a um you know, a potential uh, shot in the dark card like like Lucian is, and Lucian got released again. I you know I hope he's back with the Ravens at some point, but um, it's, it's this is not somebody we're taking a big chance on. They pretty much know who uh, Adams is at this point in his career. He's 30, 31 years old. He's been sure. in the NFL for a long time. I mean, they just they, they don't have to they don't have to worry about who he is. Uh, they probably know him not quite as well as they knew who Worley was, but Worley was perfectly fine within the scheme really you know was was 
perfectly serviceable was a you know more than adequate um playing that strong safety role when they wanted to move hamilton up a, a, a really uh, good division of responsibility in that scheme between the safety between the two safeties and between the safety and the respective corner uh that they're um giving help to anything else you think we learned from this oh. one well, I mean, I, I, you know, if if we're talking about what game this reminds me most of, and and I, that's something I kind of think about when we see a one-sided uh, defensive performance, the game I think this reminds me most of is Super Bowl thirty-five, and it's a little weird because that game had five turnovers and four sacks, and the defense didn't allow a point. They allowed a you know a kickoff return to Dixon, but they didn't allow a point in that game. But the other thing that was in common between the two games is no snaps inside the 25 either time. And, the, and the, holding the Texans without a single red zone trip. Um, you know, my, my, my new favorite mantra is that the, the best percentage, the best red zone percentage your opponent can have is undefined. Yep. Zero divided by zero. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you give them zero red zone trips, you, 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 you give them a lot less good chances to score. So uh, uh, that, that was just I, I loved, you know, Super Bowl 35 was a was a surreal, magical day of football for me. Um, in some ways, you know, it, it was almost not unexpected. But then uh, all these things kept happening and the Giants could do nothing time after time. And, um, you know, then the confetti started going up in the air and that was pretty fantastic too so uh great day just a, a great game the real difference is that uh cj stroud is uh, i think a uh, um, much more careful with the bull, uh, with the ball than Kerry collins is yes um so uh so that can account for some things like like interceptions and you know however many tip balls ray lewis had but but it is it is very similar to that going all the way down to a kickoff return for a touchdown that like you know, everybody thought, oh, okay, this could be the galvanizing, you know, whatever. But instead of our, you know, answering with a kickoff return for a touchdown ourselves, we get the ball in the second half. Lamar marches it straight down. And and honestly, I, I don't know how you felt at that moment, but when Lamar marched it down and that was a great drive, uh, you know, just three minutes of just, you know, effective football, um, I started to feel pretty good at that point. Yeah, well, me too. Uh, the other the other point at which I felt like we're not losing this football game was after the fourth and one conversion. That was a very high leverage play. It was they were up seventeen to ten, I believe, when that happened. Uh, it was a good go for it. Um, you know, it's one of those ones. That there's no question about about taking too much risk on a single play, which I've brought up at times. Um, no doubt about it in that particular case. And uh, and a great uh, a great conversion on the play, great play call, and great individual play. Uh, from Stanley to get out in, in front and make that nice block in space and Lamar to take advantage of it. That that actually reminds me of one more thing. I think that uh, that we can take away from this game is uh, Monken continues to do a couple of sort of tendency breakers um, a, a little bit in particular. Uh, I think it was on the fourth and one, but it could have been on another play where um, where uh, uh, the, uh, you know Ricard you know, is, is going out right. And, and of course that, you know, the entire defense flows to Ricard because they think that that's where, you know, that's where the ball carrier is going to go. And Lamar just, you know, <laughs> rolls out to the left and, uh, and picks up the first down and just like little, little, little things like that. You know, he, he, he's clearly, you know, saying like, okay, there's going to be one, two, three spots in the game where I'm going to, you know, bring out something that is just, you know, going to, going to have the defense flat footed and I'm going to be patient and wait until, we need one of those things, and he's done done it to great effect. Um, and I think we can look forward to that next week. Yeah, 
It's, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about one other thing about the offense, I, I've thought of one additional as well as the Ravens run well against teams that don't allow much in the way of running. And the, the Texans certainly were that. They were the number two team in the entire NFL in terms of defensive DVOA against the run. Okay, so they were a team that prided itself on being a good run defense team. And over the years, it hasn't mattered. But during the Lamar era, whether it's been the Steelers or other good run defenses around the league during that time, the Ravens have been able to run on all of them. And since Lamar's rookie year. And and it's I think I know the reason, you know, it's it's that the most great run defenses are set up to deal with gap and zone run schemes. And and it could be either they're, that they're particularly good at. They may have real fast players that beat zone schemes. They may have um, big stout linemen who are good against gap schemes. They, may, they, they can be good at either or both. But the third element that the Ravens bring to this is just a tremendous amount of misdirection in, in their run game. It really showed up on fourth and one, but but it shows up at other times too. Certainly shows up in terms of a pass rush integrity is something you need to, to hold the Ravens down under the, um, the, the the Fangio line. If any team was ever able to do that, you know, to hold them under 100 yards, um, that's, uh, uh, you know, will we'll take you controlling Lamar Jackson from the pocket. I really like calling it the Fangio line. Yes, I do it's, too. <laughs> it's the perfect it's the perfect amount of petty for me. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna probably call it that forever. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so let's. Uh, I think I think the other big one uh, that we need to sort of cover is the um, is the Chiefs. Uh, you know, defeating the um, uh, defeating the Bills. Um, proving, you, you know, I guess we learned that uh, Patrick Mahomes is capable of winning a road playoff game, um, you know, much the way that Lamar is capable of winning at home. So, uh, that, you know, that's one thing we learned. Um, but also, you know, I think I think the um, I think it was a good time for the Chiefs to probably put together what looked like the most cohesive offensive performance that I've certainly that I've seen this year. Um you know, not, not, you know, receivers who haven't been stepping up much this year, not named Rashi Rice, uh, coming up with a, uh, a couple of good grabs. Um, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey looking the best that he's looked, but also, you know, still having some of the, these, you know, foibles, like uh, when they really could have put the, their foot on the throat of the Bills, but then they fumble um, into the uh, into the end zone, uh, which is a tremendous mistake at that juncture in yep. the game. I mean, that, that, you know, if you were a Bills fan, you had to be thinking, okay, now's our chance. Yeah, yeah. It's, that was a that was a, a an absolute gift that Buffalo could not take advantage of in terms of of the exchange of the football there on both sides. So the fake punt right before it, and then the the uh, uh, the fumble. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Kansas City's got to be feeling really good about this. It, it honestly, even though it's a gorilla they've never faced in terms of playing a road playoff game. It was a question that was unanswered about this team, and they went into a difficult, hostile environment, and they won a football game uh, close. Um, and uh, you know, they, they didn't destroy the Bills. I think the Bills, in some ways, um, didn't play didn't play terrific football. Certainly, Allen didn't have his best game, but Allen also didn't turn the ball over much. Did he? Did he have one interception in this game, or did he have none? Uh, you know, nothing that jumps out. To me, as far as turnovers, but uh, I could check the box. Yeah, I, I, got, I got to go back to that myself too because I, I want to get my narratives right. You know, I want to make sure. Yeah, that, that's right. I'm talking about the right thing, but I I don't remember him having um, an interception. He might have had one at the very end. Might have had one at the very end. Nope, no interceptions. Okay, 
So, but he also threw 39 passes for 186 yards. So the Ravens are, are going to have to, they're going to have to figure out how to solve the Bills secondary. And, and one of the things I look for them to do is remain very multiple in this game. And I'll leave a lot of this for the matchups um, sure. show, but I, I, I do look for the Ravens to, to, to try and run the football and try and remain the two headed offensive monster. They've, they've been very effectively with Monken. by the way, could you be more happy? Okay. How happy are you on a scale of one to 10? Rather than trying to lead the witness, you know, I know, I know you wouldn't like that. Um, in terms of of Monken's willingness to fold in run and pass concepts when he was n- not thought to be a guy, you know, thought to be more of a vertical passing game guy. Uh, an eleven, um, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, Monken. Yeah, it, it goes back to it goes back to everything that we said at the start of the season about you know, the qualities that I look for in a, in a coach, I want the coach to look at what he's got and say, what is going to be my best, you know, how do I put the talent that I have into the best position to succeed? And uh, he's delivered. I mean, you know, you got Lamar Jackson, you know, Mike Lee has locked up his, you know, second MVP season and withstood some really significant injuries um, as far as, you know, inconsistent health along the offensive line throughout the year, but also losing Andrews and J.K. Dobbins and Keaton Mitchell mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, all of that and sort of not really missing a beat. Um, it really been been excellent. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I, I, I think it's also, you know, we, we shouldn't react too much. Um, I, I think you give I think you give Kansas City their due. They went into a very tough environment, but they also played against a Bills team that was extremely injured on defense. Yes. And that Bills team gave Kansas City pretty much every. I mean, it was it was a missed field goal from being a tie game, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and even before that, on that drive, um, uh, uh, Josh Allen made some really baffling decisions. He you know he had two instead of trying to pick up the first down, which would have been better anyways. I mean, you know, in terms of running down the clock, he, he took like some, some two, two long shots down the, um, you know, down in the end zone uh, to guys not named uh, Diggs. Um, and instead of, instead of picking, looking at like wide open receivers who are a little bit closer. Um, and I think that, you know, the way that the Ravens defense has been very disciplined about going to, you know, feeding different receivers, right? You don't have anybody who's like a stat monster um, in the receiving core because everybody's been getting the ball at different junctures. Um, you know, I think that'll serve the Ravens well against the Chiefs. Um, and, it, you know, also Allen had a pretty good game running the ball. And, yes. uh, you know, that's that's something that, uh, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to be very concerned about is Lamar taking off and running. Yeah, different, diff- total different dimension as a, as a player. The, the missed field goal... You know, one of the delicious ironies of this whole thing, and and I, I don't like the Buffalo Bills. I just I don't like them. I don't like the Chiefs either for different reasons, but I don't like the Bills. Um, the 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 wide right entering the Bills lexicon for a second time is just wonderful, and the fact that the the announcer immediately picking up on it and and kind of making making fun of it in real time. You know, the two worst words in Buffalo: wide right. It's been thirty three years. You want to feel a little old since Scott Norwood missed wide right to lose Super Bowl 25. They lost the game 20 to 19. For folks that are a little younger, hey, you might not know. Uh, you know, it was Super Bowl 25. The Bills lost it 20 to 19 uh, to the Giants. 
Uh, and they they had a chance to kick the winning field goal with seconds remaining, and they missed it wide right from 47 yards. And Scott Scott Norwood, the kicker, obviously. So the second wide right, the second incarnation of wide right, uh, it's gonna really stick in the craw of Bills fans for for years to come, and it re- reanimates a long dead ghost. Yeah, no, it's 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 tough, and you know, I uh, I feel I feel bad for that fan base, but um, I will. Uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, we can we can take down their uh, hated foe um, and uh, and uh, give give Kansas City some horrible phrase that they can you know repeat <laughs> in their head <laughs> over and over. All right, Slava, always a pleasure talking football with you. Tell folks where they can find you online. I'm I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S L A V A K U P E R S T E I N. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. There is time still, potentially, before the Super Super Bowl. If you have a topic you'd like to talk about, uh, hit me up with that. I will not be entertaining Pro Bowl topics, even if that's where the Ravens are <laughs> you know, in, a, in a week and a half or, or uh, 11 days or so. But I'd love to hear some uh, uh, some Super Bowl topics if, if they're appropriate, and I'll get back to you very quickly. Um, also looking for off-season um, uh, content you'd like to do, in particular, if you have the project that's – two or three parts that has to be done. Love to hear from you about that. Also, uh, DMs are always open. I'll get back to you very quickly. You, you don't, you don't want to talk about a Dallas Thomas's like all time pro bowl performance. You don't want to make an episode of that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And for, for saga Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye. I'll talk to you next week on one last thing. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.